Brian Ministries International presents Todd Talks, featuring Todd Edwards. Uh, today is going to be like a construction zone. We are going to construct things in the spirit uh, that we that we will be conscious of, and that we will not be conscious of. <clears throat> Uh, I'm, I'm going to toss out kind of two analogies of what's going to happen, I believe. Uh, one, <clears throat> if you imagine sitting at a table and you're putting a puzzle together and you get all the puzzle pieces on the side and then in the middle where it's empty, that's where you're going to start. We're going to start throwing down puzzle pieces and it may or may not make sense right away. But the more puzzle pieces we throw down, it's going to start to create a picture. And then everything is going to fit. And part of the reason for <clears throat> teaching like that and laying it out is because I want to engage your hearts and your souls and your spirits so that it's, you're drawn in and you're, you're actively going through the process of, of getting the revelation. I'm not going to give you revelation. You're going to get it with me. And kind of the second analogy is this construction zone. Zion is a city, and we are Zion. We're going to dig into all this. And there's some blocks individually and collectively that we need to tear down, that we need to move out of the way. And then there's some blocks individually and collectively we're going to build together. So that's the process, and I think it's going to begin today on Zion, and there's no way we're going to finish this. This is going to be study after study after study for a while, as Paul and Shannon said, when they were reading through Isaiah 51 and 52, they got through maybe 11 verses, maybe seven verses. It is so thick and so rich. Um, it's, it's absolutely incredible. So with that said, I'm going to back all the way up, and we're going to start on mountains to reestablish some things that Dan has spoken in the past and do some new stuff. And then we're going to get to Zion because Zion is a mountain. This has nothing to do with Zionism, political Zionism. In fact, it's the opposite. This is the truth. So we're not going to talk, this is not a study about political Zionism. So to start with, we're gonna activate new levels of faith because new things are gonna happen in dimensions, and Allison prayed this, in dimensions and realms that maybe we have not tapped into actively today until today in this topic. There's going to be new levels of mysteries, levels of glory, I think layers of holiness. When, when I first started digging into this a couple of weeks ago, I was not planning on going here. I started off, if you guys remember, at the end of Second Peter, wanting to go into the day of Yahuwah, and I got stuck in Zion. <laughs> it was a ma- and it wasn't a detour. It was like, oh, it was right before me all along. I never knew. And then, boom, I got stuck in it. And in the process of doing that, I think I shared this with Dan, if he, he's on, he, I, I shared this with him, that there was a place in the throne that I have not been before. We're called to come boldly before the throne of grace, <clears throat> but there was a place beyond where I've been before in the throne where I could not go I needed to be invited and brought by the Holy Spirit. It was another level of holiness, and it wrecked me in prayer that day. 
And that's when this whole Zion thing started to open up. <clears throat> so mountains. First mentions of mountains. Genesis chapter 7, verse 20. Here we go. Mountains. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 7, verse 20 is the very first mention of mountains. So this is after the flood. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. Now, we know that mountains also represent government and authority. <clears throat> so the mountains and the authority that the enemy had infiltrated the earth with, back to Genesis 6, were now covered by the waters of God. Genesis 12, verse 8. After Abram is blessed, God provides the blessing to him that he will, this is now the covenant through Abraham, the man of faith. Genesis 12, verse 8. And he, Abram, removed from there unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto Yahuwah and called upon the name of Yahuwah. After Abraham gets blessed, the first thing that he does is he offers a sacrifice, an altar to Yahuwah, names it on a mountain. The authority of Abraham is then established from the spirit onto the earth in the mountain in the heavens, and in the mountain now on the earth. There's going to be a lot of connection points, by the way, because Zion is all about heaven and earth. So we're going to connect things up and down, down and up, up and down, down and up. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 33. These are all puzzle pieces for just the, the brief topic that we're going to touch on is mountains. So Deuteronomy chapter 33. Very important to understand. Verse mm, 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 13. Deuteronomy 33, verse 13. And of Joseph. So this is Moses now blessing each of the tribe leaders. And the, now he's going to bless the tribe of Joseph. Blessed of Yahuwah be his land for the precious things of heaven, for the dew, and for the deep that couches beneath. So he blesses them all, not only in the land, but also in the heavens and also in the earth. He's blessing them heaven to earth. And for the precious fruits brought forth by the sun, for the precious uh, things put forth by the moon, and for the chief things of the ancient mountains, and for the precious things of the lasting hills. So there are governmental components of mountains in the heaven and hills that are given to Joseph to access and to manifest onto the earth. Don't worry if it's not sinking in yet. We're going to keep throwing puzzle pieces out. Psalm 30. David talked over and over and over about Zion. He talked over and over and over about mountains because the two go hand in hand. Psalm 30. Verse 4, 
Sing unto Yahuwah, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Holiness is also associated with mountains because the closer you get to this this another dimension within the mountain or the government of God, you become holier and holier. You have to because he is holy. Verse 6, and in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Yahuwah, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You did hide your face and I was troubled. He's got a mountain that shall never be moved and he stands strong in it. David has a mountain. Psalm 87. And I'm purposely not diving deep yet. I'm just throwing puzzle pieces out. Psalm 87, verse 1. Yahuwah, his. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The, the word government means political direction and control or exercise, exercise control, or a form or system of rule, governing body of persons. So the authority, the structure of executing the word of God is through his mountain. Let's keep going. Psalm 133. Obviously, a very short psalm about uh, togetherness and unity in the body. Verse 3, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descends upon the mountains of Zion, for there Yahuwah commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Wait a minute. There is a blessing for us to get on the from the dew that comes down from the heaven above the heavenly mountains comes down upon the mountains and that's where the blessing is that's where we want to access so there's actually from above the heavenly mountains that he's describing there is dew from the holy of holy mountains coming down and it's a blessing we need to understand what the blessing is where it is how do we engage with it participate in it then activate it through the second heaven and start to manifest it into our lives on the earth. Isaiah 2. The two books in all of scripture that talk the most about Zion and then associated with hill are mountains, Psalms, and Isaiah. Isaiah 2. Verse 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of Yahuwah's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Okay, so let me stop here for a second. Always read scripture literally. There's always a literal interpretation. And there's also layers and multiple meanings of literal interpretation. 
And that's before we even get to the allegory, into the hint, into the mystery. So we have literally Yahuwah's mountain on top of the other mountains, literally both in the heavens and on the earth. And Isaiah seen this in the last days, that his literal mountain, his government in the heavens will come down on top of the literal mountains of all other governments in the heavens, and it will also happen in the earth. Isaiah 13. Isaiah 13, verse 2. Lift up a banner upon the high mountain. This is a prayer strategy, by the way. Go into the mountains in heaven and lift up banners. Banners of victory, banners of love, banners of unity. There's all kinds of banners that God gives you. Banners of holiness, banners of goodness, banners of his name. Go into the mountains and do this. Exalt your voice unto them. Shake the hand that they may go into the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger that they would rejoice in my highness. This is also kind of last day stuff. The noise of a multitude in the mountain, like that of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of the nations gathered together. Yahuwah Saboth musters the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, the, uh, even Yahuwah, and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Howl ye for the day of Yahuwah is at hand. So his people, who are waving banners in the mountains, are activated in the mountains as his sanctified ones, as his mighty hand to go forth and execute judgment into the earth. More. Um, Isaiah mentions mountains 41 times. Isaiah 40. This is really good because it, it helps us to find Zion and Jerusalem. So Isaiah 40, verse 9. O Zion, that brings good tidings, get you up into the high mountain. And then separate, O Jerusalem, that brings good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, say unto the cities of Judah, behold your Elohim. So we have Zion that brings good tidings, that gets established on the high mountain and Jerusalem from below calls up and lifts up its voice with strength. So we're going to start seeing a connection between Zion and Jerusalem. Um, let's go to Ezekiel, let's go to Habakkuk. Let's go jump to Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. And Habakkuk is a lot about the last days also. And Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 6. Now, this is the Holy One. This is Yahuwah. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations. Again, last day stuff. And the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. 
His ways are everlasting. So God has holy mountains and the enemy has other mountains. God has holy hills and the enemy has unholy hills. And these are part of the the main components in the spiritual warfare that we need to confront. So one of my prayers every day is I send forth the breaker angels to break down any obstacle barrier objection that opposes my calling and mandate to flatten any mountains or hills, to level any valleys and to straighten any crooked paths. And I send them forth with the battering rams of Yahweh and the construction and demolition vehicles and tools because the enemy is constantly trying to place mountains and hills and valleys and crooked paths in our way. This is partially why Yeshua said, and if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you'll call to the mountain and move it into the sea. Both literal in the heavens and in the earth. First heaven, then the earth. Call it forth in the heavens. Matthew chapter 4. Satan's tempting Yeshua. Verse 8. Again, the devil took him up into an exceeding into an exceeding high mountain and from there he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them literal interpretation satan literally took yeshua to a mountain in the earth he also literally took him to a mountain in the spirit where Satan's mountain was the mountain of all the mountains of the kingdom of the earth that he had established. And he was saying, Yeshua, if you worship me, I'll give you the tippy-top mountain of the mountains of the earth that I have made. All the governments. It's the government of governments on the earth. That's what he was doing. More. Matthew, I'm not, well, let's not read this, but you guys know this. Matthew 8, 14, 17, over and over and over again. Where did Yeshua pray? He went to the mountain. He went to the mountain in the natural, and he went to the mountain in the spirit, literally. That was the time of prayer. Matthew 21. Matthew 21, verse 21. Now, this is interesting because Dan also did a series on trees. And Yeshua is going to connect trees and mountains. Matthew 21, verse 21. Yeshua answered and said to them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this, which you have done to the fig tree, because he spoke to it, cursed it, and it withered. But also, if you shall say to this mountain, be you removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. So he's connecting men as trees 
and men as mountains. He's connecting the tribe of Judah as a tree, a fig tree, and the mountains that it is under, the governmental authority of the kingdom of this world that it's under. And he's connecting the two. Revelation chapter 6. Just a couple more verses on mountains. I think it's real important to kind of establish this foundation. Revelation 6. Let's start in verse 13. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree cast her untimely things when she was shaken of the mighty wind. Now we have trees connected to stars. And what other series of Dan done? Stars. So we got stars, mountains, and trees, all kind of connected in these verses. Verse 14. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it was rolled out, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. So here's a connection that I want to throw out to everybody. Um, I mentioned this before, that there, I think there's going to come a time. This, this is Todd's opinion and understanding, looking at the scriptures. When the heavens get rolled up, he's not talking about the heaven of heavens where God dwells. He's talking about this second heaven realm, and there's layers within it. There's, there's these realms in there that he's going to roll up. So in the millennial kingdom, we will neither have to worry about Satan and fight with him, nor his dominion in the second heaven, nor our flesh because we get new bodies. It's going to be purely our choice without any other influence to worship God or, worship, or, or not. It's going to be beautiful. So in this passage in Revelation 6.14, there's a tie between the rolling up of the heavens and then the moving of the mountains that Satan has established in the kingdom of this earth. So just like he took Yeshua to the top of the mountain that he owned and he established over the other mountains, when the heavens are rolled up, those mountains are moved because they're all tied together. One more. Revelation 21. Let's just do verse 10. Revelation 21, verse 10. So we have the new Jerusalem that is established now. We've already passed through the millennial kingdom. Final judgment, the great wine throne of judgment takes place. New Jerusalem is about to... Is, is coming down in Revelation 21, verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Wow, there's a lot of things he's tying together there. And we're going to start to put all these pieces together. So the mountain, the great and high mountain, is also the great city, which I am hinting at, we'll get to, is Zion, which is also the pure manifestation then of Jerusalem because it comes down from heaven onto the earth. Let's keep going now. Mountains. And there's famous mountains throughout Scripture. We're going we're to talk about Zion. Sinai famous mountain. Why did God descend on a mountain? 
Why didn't he descend on a lake? Why didn't he descend in a valley? Why didn't he descend in a plain? Because a mountain is authority. The Mount of Olives. Why was his glory revealed and heaven connected with earth at, earth at the Mount of Olives on the cross? Why was it a mount? Why not a valley? Why not the sea? Why not, why not the seashore on the sand? Likewise, the enemy descended on Mount Hermon to establish his authority in Genesis 6. So very significant things happen on mountains because it's an element of authority because there's already mountains in the heavens and now they are establishing these things on the earth. It also explains why Yeshua did not, was not born on a mountain. He was born in a manger. And it says a lowly manger because it's the opposite of a mountain. He came with no governmental authority at that time. His government authority comes in Revelation when his kingdom will overtake the kingdoms of the earth. His mountain will overtake the mountains of the, of, of the earth. But he came with no mountain. Isaiah 56. I want to make another mention. I want to make a mention of this before we move on. Before we move on, Isaiah 56. Reason that I want to mention Isaiah 56 is because I talked a little bit um, last time or the time before about Israel and who Israel is. Isaiah 56 is a topic that we are passage that we did not hit on, and this is important as we are now taking steps to get to Zion. Isaiah 56, verse 1. This says, Yahuwah, keep judgment and do justice. For my salvation is near come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man that does these things and the son of man that lays hold of it, that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself to Yahuwah speak, saying, Yahuwah has utterly separated me from his people. Listen to this. Neither let the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree, connecting himself to a tree. For thus says Yahuwah to the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even to them will I give my, in my house and within my walls, he's talking about Zion, a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. That's a play on words, by the way, for the eunuchs. <laughs> cut off. Also, the sons of the stranger that join themselves to Yah, means they're not native-born to Israelite tribes. Uh, that join themselves to Yah to serve him and to love the name of Yahuwah, to be his servants, every one that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it. Remember we did the, the study on, on covenants? When you first start the journey of salvation, you are a servant relationship. That's why he's speaking about servants. And then he's intermingling sons and daughters in there. Verse 7, even them will I bring to my holy mountain. 
and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer. This is what Yeshua was quoting when he went into the temple and overturned the money changers. He was quoting this. Yahuwah Elohim, which gathers the outcasts of Israel, says, yet I will gather others to him besides those that are natural born of Israel gathered to him. So the reason that I wanted to share this with you guys is for those of you that are thinking, eh, God's about to get into Israel and tribes of Israel, or maybe I didn't understand this in the past. Anyone that is, and this is, by the way, is Roman. This is spiritual Israel. Isaiah is talking about this before Yeshua even came. Anyone that declares the name of Yahuwah, obeys his commandments, loves him, proclaims his name, they are here and have entry into the city of Zion, his holy mountain. Even the eunuchs. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to say that. Psalm 107. Psalm 107 is another one of those passages that we could spend a whole study on because this is also last days and Zion. But I want to pick out two words in a verse here because it's really critical to understand Zion. Psalm 107. Mm, let's start. I guess we'll just do 36. I'll just summarize it in 36. Psalm 107, verse 30. Verse 36. And there, now he's, he's about to say where the there is. And there he makes the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare a city for habitation. So we have dwelling as a word. We have city as a word. We have habitation as a word. These are really, really critical to understand and differentiate when it comes to Zion. Remember, we're building mountains. We kind of got that figured out. Who gets kind of called? I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. Now let's get into city. So the word city is the Hebrew word uh, 5892. Uh, ear, is, ear is how, they, how it's pronounced, I think. <clears throat> and it means city, which is a place guarded by waking or watch. And in the widest sense, it means like an encampment. So very straightforward, a city is a city. Yes, but there's something more to it underneath. The word is derived from another Hebrew word, 5783 in the Strongs, pronounced or because the consonants are the same. And it's derived from this word. You catch this. This word means be made naked or nakedness. When Adam and Eve fell, the first thing that happened to them is they were aware of their nakedness. And they tried to cover their nakedness. City has a root meaning, an encampment, 
a watchman's area around a place of nakedness. Very interesting. The word habitation is the Hebrew word 4186, which is Moshab. Habitation means a seat, a site, a session, um, an abode. We like the word abode. It's one of my favorite verses. Yahweh will come and make your abode in me and I in you, right? A population, an assembly to dwell therein. It's an inhabited place. It even means a place to rest during sojourning, a habitation. Hebrews chapter 11. City and habitation. Hebrews chapter 11. Um, Verse 8. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. We heard inheritance. We heard mountains in one of the passages before. Obeyed and went out, not knowing where he went. By faith, he sojourned. Part of the definition of habitation. In the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is Yahuwah. Abraham dwelt in places as a habitation, but he was always looking for a city built by Yahuwah. So that's the journey of faith in terms of cities. Now the opposite is true in terms of, remember we looked at um, the devil being tempted by Yeshua? I'm sorry, Yeshua being tempted by the devil? Genesis chapter 4. Very first city mentioned in scripture. Genesis, verse uh, chapter 4, verse 7. Yahweh is talking to Cain after he killed Abel. If you do well, you shall not be accepted. And if you do not well, sin lies at the door. And unto you shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against, his, uh, against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And Yahweh said, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? So then Cain gets cursed. And what does Cain do? Um, Let's say verse 16. And Cain went out from the presence of Yahuwah and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare a son, Enoch. 
different Enoch than Genesis 6. And he built a city and called the name of the city after his son Enoch. It's the very first mention of city in scripture. It was built by Cain. And we know in 1 John, Cain's father is Satan. Genesis chapter 10 is also very interesting. Genesis 10, verse 8. And Cush begot Nimrod, and he became a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before Yahuwah. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter uh, before Yahuwah. And the beginning of his kingdom, or I'm inserting mountain, was Babel and Erech and Akkad and Kalnah, the land of Shinar. And out of the land went forth Asher and built Nineveh and the city Rehoboth and Kalah. And Raisin between Nineveh and Kalah, the same is a great city. So out of Nimrod came all of these cities. Genesis 10, a little different perspective of the descendants that eventually get to Abraham. So in verse 25 in Genesis 10, and unto Eber were born two sons. So now this is the lineage of Eber, hence where we get the name Hebrew is from Eber. So Eber, or Hebrew, is actually before Israel. So if you are a Hebrew, you are a descendant of Eber. That doesn't even mean that you're an Israelite because Eber had other sons. So this is from Eber's line all the way down to verse 30. Let's look at verse 30. And their dwelling was from Mesha as you go unto Sephar, a mount of the east. So we have a total contrast of the lineage of Nimrod that is from the cursed Canaan where they were dwelling in cities. And then the lineage that is eventually going to become Abraham is dwelling, not building a city, kind of dwelling near a mountain. Totally different concept. Genesis 11, since we're right there, um, verse 4, Tower of Babel. And they said, let us go and build a city and a tower. Now, wait a minute. We just read that the definition of city is an encampment really to protect your nakedness. <laughs> and they're running around trying to protect their nakedness. That's man's and Satan's solution to nakedness is to build a city. God's solution to nakedness is the blood of his son and to dwell as pilgrims and sojourners in the earth, looking for the city eventually that they will have access to through the blood of Yeshua, which is Zion. Totally different approach. It, it makes up even more so we are pilgrims and sojourners here in these kingdoms and in these cities we have one city, which is Zion, 
And we are to call it down to be made manifest onto the earth, which it eventually will. Otherwise, we don't belong here. We operate differently. We have different thoughts. We have different plans. We're like Abraham. We are journeying through here, just dwelling and habitating. Think about this. When Israel went into the land of Canaan, they didn't go and build cities. They inhabited cities that were already built. They ate the vineyards that were already planted and raised. They dwelt in the walls that were already made because they were dwelling there. They didn't build it. They only have one city. That city is Zion. It's a theme throughout scripture. So there's a big difference between this. It's a mindset change. We are truly wanderers and sojourners and pilgrims on the earth. We, it, I know you guys know this, but it's like another level of a mindset shift. I got one city that I'm dwelling in, and that's Zion. Everything else, I'm just hanging out and habitating in. I also think that Zion is part of the wedding gift. We overlapped wedding a little bit. I think it's also part of that as well. Because Israel, which we are, and Zion go hand in hand, and they're actually one. We're going to see this. And it is part of the unification and completion of the bride. So let's keep going. Allison got off on the, the trail of David. David is an example of the king in the kingdom on the earth. That's why David uh, spoke so much about Zion. Yeshua is the king of the kingdom when Zion comes down into the earth. So let's take a look at David in the first mention of Zion. Second Samuel. I think this passage, now that we understand the mountains and understand we are not to go after cities, we are to habitate in them. I think this is going to make a lot of sense now. Second Samuel chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 6. And the king, David, and his men went to Jerusalem unto the Jebusites. Notice that Jerusalem is a city that's already there. David didn't build it. The inhabitants of the land which spoke unto David, saying, Except you take away the blind and lame, you shall not come here. Thinking David could not come in. They're, they're trying to fake him out, knowing that he is holy to that, David, yeah, you don't want to come in here. And, and we got a whole bunch of blind and lame, so, and I know you're not going to take him out, so maybe you'll go away. That's <laughs> kind of what they're trying to say. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same is the city of David. Wait a minute. He just came into the city of Jerusalem, and then there's the stronghold of Zion, which is totally different. The stronghold of Zion is called the city of David, not the city of Jerusalem. 
Verse 8, and David said on that day, whosoever gets up to the gutter and smites the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of, um, hated of David's soul. So it, it's not that they were blind and lame that he hated them. It's because they were Jebusites. Wherefore, they said, the blind and lame shall not come into the house. So David, David, so David dwelt in the fort, not in the city. And the fort to Zion. And called it the city of David. And David built round about, not a city, around the fort. From Milo into inward. And David went on and grew great. And Yahuwah Elohim, so both, was with him. So what's happening here is Jerusalem, as we know it, was a city built by the Jebusites. And David establishes himself not in Jerusalem. He establishes himself on the mount called Zion. And that's the fort. And the two become kind of intermingled in our minds because we don't understand that that peace is different. But now that we understand, David was not building a city. Because the cities were not to be built. They were to be habitated in. We only have one city, that city of Zion. So on earth, David had a mount, and it was the beginning of the establishment of Zion on the earth. It is the holy mountain in the heavens. This is the first establishment of Zion on the earth, on a mount. You guys getting this? It gets better. Jebusites, the root of that word. And that comes from Genesis 10, part of the, the nations. Um, part of Canaan, what we talked about, they're building all these cities as the lineage of the Canaanites. Jebus in the Hebrew means to be trodden down. And if you go into the names of the Canaanites, I mean, so many of them are awful, especially if you look in Genesis 14 in the battle amongst the, the Canaanite kings, like you got terror and, and wicked one and a cursed one that goes to hell. I mean, that's the, that's the names. That's the main other names. They're terrible. And you can see that in the Hebrew. So in Jebus, it means to be trodden down. Zion. Zion is the Hebrew word 6726. It's used 154 times in the Old Testament. 41 times in the book of Psalms, 47 times in the book of Isaiah. So more than half of all the uses of Zion are in those two books. And those are the two books that show the most about operating in the heavens and in the future to come. Zion is also derived from another Hebrew word that's right next to it, Hebrews uh, Strong's number 6725. And what that means is a guiding pillar, a sign, a title, a waymark. Doesn't that sound like what Abraham was looking for? It has nothing to do with a city. It's like a, a direction. It's a marker. In fact, what comes to mind is what is the hope of our calling inside of us? Paul talks about that two places in Ephesians. One, 
to enlighten the eyes of our hearts, to get our understanding enlightened. And the other part is we are in one body, one unity, one calling, and the calling is to Zion. We're going to see this. It's going to become more and more clear. Our calling is to Zion. Zion is actually literally calling us. We're going to see this in Isaiah. So Zion is a way marker, a hope that is calling us, and we need to hear the call and understand where it's coming from. This is what Zion means. If you break it apart in the paleo, you have Sade, Yud, Vav, Nun. Those are the four letters that make up Zion. If you put them all together, this is so cool. If you put them all together, this is what Zion means. Journey of worship secures the sun, S-O-N. So we talked about the building covenantal relationships with God, the servant, the friend, the, the son, the daughter of inheritance, and then the bride. The journey of worship secures the sun, Zion. When we make this journey to the hope of our calling from the one that's calling us, which is Zion, that journey of worship along the way secures our relationship with the Son. So when David has his establishment, his habitation on Zion, and it is overtaking Jebus, it's that the journey of worship that secures the Son trods down the enemy. They are trodden down. That's what's happening, all in that verse. This is, explains why David is, has so many bridal uh, passages, and he's the example because he is the first one to establish Zion on the earth, which is the bride. It's the ultimate relationship with Yahweh. More on Mount Zion. Psalm 2. I hope your spirits are getting, getting stirred up because this is where the call is coming from. The call is coming from Zion. We're going to see this specifically. <clears throat> Zion, uh, chapter, uh, Psalm chapter 2. Now, Psalm chapter 2 is in a totally different sense now in this context that we're talking about. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel against Yahuwah and against his anointed. What's going on? Their mountains are mad at our mountain. <laughs> Their mountains are mad at the holy mountain. That's another interpretation. That's what's happening. So let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords. You know what they're trying to do? In the spirit, if we are all components of Zion, we're all collective, they're trying to slice us off into pieces so that we're not whole, so that we're not the full bride, the full body of Christ acting together and fulfilling his plan and expansion of the kingdom of God upon the earth. Their mountains are mad at our mountain. Verse 4, he that sits in the heavens shall laugh, Adonai shall have them in derision. He shall speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet I have set my king upon the holy hill of Zion. 
He just said, here's my trump card. My king is on my mountain. And all of these mountains that are yapping at me, they're about to get broken. I will declare the decree. This is cool. I will declare the, declare the decree. Yahuwah said to me, you are my son. This day have I begotten you. Now we got layers going on here. When his mountain overtakes the other mountain, there's a decree that goes forth. The beginning of the decree took place when Yeshua was baptized in the whole, and the voice of heaven, the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He started it then, the process of bringing his mountain down, and he's going to do it again when his mountain is established at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. Ask of me and I shall give you the nations and their mountains for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for possession. Just like Israel was going to dwell in the city that they did not build, we are going to take over the mountains of the enemy when he comes down and takes over all mountains with his mountain. You shall break them with the rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like the potter's vessel. Be wise, therefore, O you kings, and be instructed. He's basically saying to the kings and to the judges of these mountains, this is your last chance. Repent. Serve Yahuwah with fear and with rejoicing and trembling. Kiss the sun. I'm going to stop there for a second. This whole thing about kiss the sun, remember Zion? is the journey of worship that secures the sun. The word kiss there is not only kiss, like physical kiss, lip to lip. It also means to empower, to arm, and to equip. The more intimacy that we have with Yeshua, the more armed, empowered, and equipped we are. Lest he be angry and lest you perish in his way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Um, another psalm. Um, psalm 87. For the sake of time, there are several psalms to kind of build upon. Notice we haven't even gotten to Isaiah yet. Isaiah is so big, I'm scared. <laughs> psalm 87. <clears throat> his foundation is in the holy mountains. Yahuwah loves the gates of Zion more than the dwellings of Jacob. Jacob being in the natural, the dwellings in the cities of Canaan throughout the world, he loves the gates of Zion compared to these things. That means the outer portion, not only gates are, are where you judge and where the rules are, but it's the outer portion of the city. means it is just cool to hang out on the outside of Zion rather than dwell in the mansions of this world. That's what he's saying. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. Selah. Let that dwell. Let that dwell in your heart. The city of God. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon. Now, Rahab uh, is, was an, a spiritual entity, a principality in Egypt that was cut down. And Babylon there's also referring to the things in the last days. To them, behold, Philistia, Tyre, Ethiopia, that a man was born there. So people, just like we're born again and we enter into the kingdom of God and we have access into the city of God, likewise, 
people who reject God go into their city and they're born again there of Babylon. And of Zion, it shall be said, this and that man was born in her. She's female because she's the bride. And she has children. And the highest himself shall establish her. Yeshua establishes Zion. Yahuwah shall count when he writes up the people that this man was born there. This isn't the book of life. It's the book of life in terms of were you born in Zion? As well, the singers and the players on instruments shall be there. All my springs are there. There is rejoicing in Zion. Joel chapter 2. Then we'll get to Isaiah. Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. We did a study on Joel. um, And Joel chapter 2 now in this context we'll read a little different. Verse 1. Last days again. Blow you the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Those of us that are active in Zion, seeing and feeling and participating with the scrolls that have been given to us, the assignments that have been given to us to bring Zion onto the earth and to conquer all the kingdoms of the earth, there is going to come a time when one of us, maybe a few of us, are going to blow a trumpet in Zion. And we did a study on trumpets, I think, a couple times ago. From Numbers, a trumpet was to sound for the feasts. A trumpet was to sound an alarm. A trumpet was to sound when the camp was to move. So when this trumpet is blown, in Zion from that city in the heavens and sounds an alarm through the holy mountain, what happens? All the inhabitants of the land underneath us will tremble for the day of Yahuwah is coming and is at hand from Zion. Now we get to Isaiah. I've been avoiding this, avoiding this, avoiding this. No, I haven't done it. I'm just kidding. It's just really scary because it's really big. Isaiah 49. I want to hit something, a couple of verses in Isaiah 49. Um, In the beginning, I said this. I now am really struggling trying to put together components that that can be replicated (laughs) um, and spoken in in a manner that makes sense. From Isaiah 48 to Isaiah 66, it's like all one thing to me now. And I'm really wrestling with this. Isaiah 49, I want to show you this. Verse 3, real important because it's almost like a definition verse. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Israel will be 
the arm, his strong right arm will go through Israel. And that's how he'll be glorified in the last days. So us being Israel, he's working through so that he is glorified on the earth. Isaiah 49, verse 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth. Dan's doing a series on the heavens. The heavens and the earth are disconnected. They're out of sorts. We are to sync them up. When that starts to happen and when it's fully happening, what's going to happen is the heavens will be so joyful. They are so waiting for us to align their mountains and hills with the mountains and hills of the earth. And the earth is going to break forth in singing and saying, finally, I'm reunited and reestablished in connection with the heavens. Israel is the servant which is going to glorify God to do this, which means you all are going to get to the place to connect heaven and earth so that the heavens will, heavens will rejoice and the earth will sing. That's why the earth and the, all of creation is groaning, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Keep going. O mountains, in verse 13, Yahuwah has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. All of a sudden, the mountains are going to be, yes, you guys are finally reestablishing his presence and his government structure in me as a mountain because I have been out of alignment. I've been waiting for you to establish his government in me. Verse 14. This reads so different now. All of this wonderfulness is taking place. But look at verse 14. But Zion said, Yahuwah has forsaken me. My Adonai forgot me. Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yes, they may forget, yet I will not forget you. As the heavens and the earth are getting connected, Zion is really saying to God, Zion speaks, and Zion's declaring to God, what about me? What about my kids? They're connecting heaven and earth. Heaven is getting aligned. Earth is getting aligned. The mountains are starting to come together. But the last component of creation here in the last days that gets fixed is Zion. She's saying, what about me? You forgot about me. This is what God says back to her. Verse 16. Behold, I have graven you on the palms of my hands. 
Your walls are continually before me. Your children shall make haste. The destroyers and they that make you waste shall go forth out of you. Lift up your eyes round about. He's talking to Zion still. He's saying, Zion, lift up your eyes. Behold, all these gather themselves together and come to you, us. We finally will come to her in mass, into Zion. As I live, says Yahuwah, you shall surely clothe you with them all. We are Zion's clothing. as with an ornament and bind them as a bride. So we have Israel that is saved in the last days, but needs to be free. We have Judah who is married and needs to be saved. And Israel is not married. The two need to come together and then, and this is what Zion's seen, heavens, earth, coming into alignment. Israel, Judah, bound together. What about me? The final component of the bride is for Israel and Judah. And we read in verse Isaiah 56, and everyone that follows Yah to actually then come into harmony with Zion. And then the bride is complete. Verse 19, for your waste and your desolate places in the land of the destruction shall even now be too narrow by reason of the inhabitant and they that swallowed you up be far away. What is he saying? This is what's happening. Just like Israel was taken into the land the first time, into the land of Canaan. And the dominant birthright blessing tribe of Joseph said, it is too small for me. I need to expand. There's going to be enough of Zion's children that Zion's children will say, it is too narrow for us. Zion, expand. Because Zion is, I see this in the spirit. Zion is it's almost like it was created a certain way for Israel years ago israel departed from it because it left zion zion said this am i as a woman going to forsake my children no <clears throat> but my my children will forsake me but part of god's promise to zion is not only has he written her on his hands but he has brought children and he's got a plan to bring in more children in the last days than the children in the first days. And Zion is going to rejoice even more than the heavens and the earth. So what I see in, in these passages is over and over and over again, it, it's this interaction between God and Zion and us and Zion and back and forth. Um, Isaiah 49, verse 26. I'll conclude uh, the chapter with this. Uh, for, uh, through 25. Isaiah 49, 25. But thus says Yahuwah. He's still speaking to Zion. 
The captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contends with you, Zion. And I will save your children. So we take that in prayer as as he will contend with those that contend with us and save our children. But on a much higher scale, Zion's children is us and others that have not come into the fold yet. And God is saying, I'm going to, Zion, I'm going to fight for those that are fighting against you and trying to take your children, and I'm going to fight for them, and then I'm going to save your children. He's talking about Zion. Do a little bit more. I, I skipped over a little bit, verse 19, waste and desolate places. This is why I think my spirit is so, my, I am so excited about Zion because I've been interacting with Zion. Just like Zion talks to God, I'm not talking to Zion. And I'm partnering with her in, in the gathering of her children and its construction. Zion is being constructed right now and is constructed. Dan said this. It is both being constructed and is constructed. And God wants people to participate in this. So there's waste cities and there's former desolations. Isaiah then later gets to this in Isaiah 61 and 62. The waste cities, wait a minute, waste cities, are those God's cities? Because I thought, Todd, you said not to build cities. Yes, the cities that God references are cities that were already established in Canaan, then Israel took over, that were established as cities of refuge. And those cities were the places where people who were unredeemed, who, were, who had people that were after them that were trying to kill them would go for safety. That's us. That's the city on the hill that Yeshua was talking about in the Mount of Olives. So Zion's cities have been laid to waste. We are to rebuild the cities of refuge in Zion for people to come running to. Zion has been so beat up in the spirit by the enemy that before we can even get people to run to it, we need to establish cities, reestablish the cities that have been wasted. So if you want to be evangelistic with your family and with your friends, build, rebuild a waste city in Zion for them to run to. We think about, oh, let's go get these guys saved. Let's talk about the gospel. Let's talk about Yeshua. Hey, you died. Um, He died for your sins. But in the spirit, First, we build up waste cities for them to run to. The former desolations is in reference to the holy places, the places of worship, and specifically the holy of holies. So we are to establish worship places or places of holiness in Zion for people to come and have intimacy. And that's what we do here in this Bible study. You guys are on the salvation journey. You're justified. So I don't need to build up waste cities in Zion and rebuild the cities for you guys. But what I am doing is I'm building up desolations, former desolations that were torn down in places of holiness. And you guys now are running to it. You're interacting with it. You're engaging with it. You're understanding it. That's what we're doing in the Bible studies. So Isaiah is seeing all this because it was related to Zion. 
Let me do just a couple of verses in, in 51. So, Paul, you, you spent like, I don't know, hours getting through the first 11 verses. I, well, we spent an hour and a half and we started. <laughs> um, Isaiah 51. I, I really felt as I was studying that we had to establish some things first before we got here. And I think the biggest aha for all of you is how spiritual this is and how real as Zion is this entity and wonderful creation of God that's written on his hand and you can interact with Zion and we are to engage with Zion. We are to rebuild its cities, build up the former desolations. We are to bring people to Zion. Psalm 48, David is saying, Go into Zion and mark everything and then tell everybody what you see. It's an incredible psalm. So Isaiah 51. Verse 16. And I have put my words in your mouth. Whose mouth? Let's figure it out. Real important in all these passages Who's the, who are the players? And the players kind of change and interact too. I put my words in your mouth and I have covered you in the shadow of my hand. That I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, you are my people. God has placed words in his own mouth and covered Zion with his hand, where it is written, Zion. He planted the heavens and the foundations of the earth for Zion. Verse 17. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem which has drunk at the hand of Yahuwah, the cup of his fury. They got disconnected from Zion. You have drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling and wrung them out. There is none to guide her among all the sons. She has brought forth. Neither is any that takes her by the hand of all the sons that she has brought up. These two things are come to you who shall be sorry for you. Desolation and destruction and famine and the sword. By whom shall I comfort you? Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of the streets as a wild bull in a net. They are full of fury of Yahuwah, the rebuke of, of Elohim. Therefore, hear now this, you afflicted and drunken, but not with wine. He's now about to call out to the children who should be connected to Zion on behalf of Zion's sake. Verse 22. Thus says Adonai, Yahuwah, and your Elohim pleads the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no more drink of it again. Yeshua took on the wrath of his people that was withheld since the golden calf. 
but I will put into the hand of them that afflict you. He's going to turn it to the enemies, which have said to your soul, bow down that we may go over, that you have laid the body as a ground and as a street to them that went over. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments. Remember, he talked about this in 49, about garments are like a bride. O Jerusalem, the holy city. So now he's seen the alignment of O Zion in the heavens and O Jerusalem in the earth. Awake, awake, O Zion, because Jerusalem and all of its children now are about to be gathered to you. From henceforth, there shall no more come unto you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake the dust, arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bands of the neck, O captive daughter of Zion, because that is Zion's offspring on the earth. For thus says Yahuwah, you have sold yourselves for naught, and you shall be redeemed without money. What I wanted to get across today is to stir up your spirits to the understanding of how interactive we need to be with Zion. It is also a very much so a five-fold ministry. And my friend Stephen shared this with me as I was talking to him this week about this. So there's a five-fold understanding of Zion as well. As from an apostolic point of view, Zion is a building. It's a city. And apostles build. They build up not only the individuals of the city, they build up the city and the construction and the design. They, they remove the things that need to be taken out and they put in the things that are of God. From a prophetic view, it is a calling out in the plan, the future plan of his people. We just read that God called out to the people for Zion. Zion was so distraught in Isaiah 49 that God had to call out for the people for Zion. That was prophetic. There's a prophetic element to understanding how to in, operate and integrate with Zion. There's an evangelistic component, calling forth the children. And I would encourage you all to put into action, interact with Zion and build up the way cities, build up cities on the hill within Zion, and then pray for people to come there. Every day, Father, loose the angels of salvation. Cast forth the nets of Yah. Go find the lost sheep of the house of Israel and bring them into a place where they would hear the word. May they hear the voice of Zion, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Yah. There's also a pastoral component. We haven't gotten to that yet, but you see this kind of very at the, at the very end of what we read. There shall no more be uncircumcised and unclean. It's going to be a place of holiness. Shedding of no more tear. No more war. The shepherd, the chief shepherd will take care of his flock in Zion. And from a teacher point of view, this opens up 
more realms and dimensions to understand his plan, the body, and the bride. So I started off the, the journey in the Zion um, a few weeks ago, like I, I said before. And I got to a place, I was, I was before the throne. I was hanging out with him. And then all of a sudden, it was like I, I got blasted back and brought forth to a different place in the throne in a different dimension. And I couldn't go. And he said, you need to be brought in. And he took me by the hand and he brought me forth. And then I started to see the plan that he had for Zion. And I started to see the city in the heavens and that it was messed up. And there was things that needed to be worked on. And he said, start building this up now. Start teaching on this. Start speaking about it. In fact, Zion wants to speak to you. And I, I, that's what wrecked me. Because Zion was broken. The heavens and the earth and the mountains are going to rejoice before Zion is finally satisfied. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you have given us and time to, to meditate on your word, a time to feel the stirring of your spirit with our spirits, a time to draw closer to you for the one thing that we will seek after all the days of our lives is to dwell in your house and to behold your beauty and to inquire within your temple. Nothing matters except for your presence in our lives. We want to be a people that don't do anything unless you tell us. And we are careful with our words that we speak only your words. For we know that we are your people and you are our God. And you have anointed us above all the peoples of the earth because of the blood of Yeshua. So we want to stay in that place where your presence is. Father, we repent for not engaging with Zion. We repent for not hearing her cry. And of this day forth, we understand what is the hope of our calling, that Zion is calling us, that Zion is calling others. And we actively engage with your plan, your plan of preparing the bride, for the bride will make herself ready. I thank you for everyone here that you have given them a heart to seek after you. That they take their time to worship you and to praise you, to listen to you, to grow in knowledge, to grow in understanding and to grow in wisdom. 
may they ever be mindful of how holy you are. May we always operate with the spirit of the fear of Yahuwah and obedience to your commandments as we draw near to feel your breath and see your eyes of flaming fire. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your patience. And thank you for your truth. I speak forth everyone's dove's eyes that they would have laser focus on your face. That their ears would be fine-tuned to heaven, heaven's frequency and your voice's frequency. And that the stirrings of this world would be chaff in the wind. Make us a people with foreheads like flint. Thank you for comforting us. Even as we wander through this life and we wander through this season throughout the world. We know that we belong to the city made without hands. So Zion, we rejoice. We rejoice in you that you have been made to be with us as the bride. We rejoice that we are being fitly together, tightly with one another, that all of your glory would flow through us. So Father, may your river of life spring forth from the heavens onto the earth and through our hearts. May it be afresh this day, fresh water, living water going forth. And may your love be received in our hearts and flow back to you. For we declare this day that we love you. In Yeshua's name, amen. You've just listened to Todd Talks here at Bride Ministries International. Be sure to visit our website at bridemovement.com. You can support us by leaving a donation. You can also check out our other offerings, such as our church. You can check out our institute. We offer prayer resources and, of course, so much more. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.